And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Old Marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. That's right, business professionals. Hey, I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 400, the 400th hour, that's right, of this old marketing. And, well, it's for November 3rd, 2023. And with me, as always, as he always is, is my pal, my colleague, and the next coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> He's getting a lot of lot of hate. There's so He's many people believe in yeah. in Vegas. I think yeah. they, why do they call him the clown? I why, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he's getting so much hate. I mean, he's a good coach. He's just a man standing in front of a team <laughs> trying to do <laughs> trying to do his best. Uh, That's all we could say. Yeah. That is that is better, correct. Better better uh I don't want to say that we should have another coaching change in Cleveland, but I guess we need a quarterback first. Well, it would be oh, very ironic sleep. if you actually brought in Josh McDaniels. For those of you who don't That's know, by the happen. way, and don't follow football, what we're talking about is that the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, which used to be the Los Angeles Raiders, and then prior to that used to be the Oakland Raiders, they've moved around quite a bit, have fired midseason their coach, uh, who is Josh McDaniels, who was the wunderkind, the sort of boy genius behind the offensive juggernaut that was Bill Belichick's New England Patriots for so many years. And then, yep. of course, got a head coaching job and has, <laughs> well, depending on who you believe, either gotten a bad hand with a bad team or has ruined that team. And so that's the, that's what we're talking about here. He, you know what's interesting? If you look at the evolution of, of Josh McDaniels, he he looks more like Belichick every year. Really does. Like, look <laughs> closely. With the visor and the hoodie he, and the whole looked, thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but all the NFL coaches for this last month have they've been forced to wear – actually, something like I'm wearing. It's a circle and their words – and they have to wear a certain hat. And yeah, all the coaches are wearing them except McDaniel's. That's he right. He has to wear his visor. That's right. Just like hey. Belichick had to wear his frock, hey, I, or whatever he wears. So here's my question for you, as yes. a as a as a as a baseball fan. Yes. Uh, so congratulations, by the way, to the Texas Rangers who won the World Series um, this Last week, yep. and uh, from my hometown of Dallas, Texas. Congratulations! Uh, they're actually from Arlington. I wasn't sure I would be corrected on that, but um, there. But uh, congratulations to them. But here's my question for you: Is baseball dead? Because I saw the viewership. I mean, the viewership for the World Series is low as it's ever been. It's baseball stadiums are not filled. So I mean, do we? Do, do we even see baseball next year? I mean, it's just, it's just, oh, no, 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 so no, no. Okay. So, so I have, a, I do have a take on this. Baseball yeah. had a, had a comeback year with the clock that sped up the picture. There's a, yeah. there's a lot less waiting. Uh, the time of the games came down 20 or 30 minutes on average or whatever the case is. Uh, at, at least at Cleveland Guardians games, attendance was up like 30% this year and we had a worse team. Uh, now that could be from the amazing marketing job that they did, or whatever the case is. I think the I think <laughs> the in part to your son. <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, good. He he loves being part of that organization. But I think the bigger issue is that you had two small market teams, and I think you can call Phoenix a small market team when it comes to baseball. You had two small market teams, and so you had no Los Angeles cover. You had no California. You had no New York. You had no Philadelphia. You had no Boston. And that's what you're going to get. If you put one of those teams in there, it wouldn't have been the case. The other thing is the the four to one. I mean, in game, whatever it was, game five, was it that Texas went up 11, nothing. And I think yeah. people said Texas has this thing. So I think that was one of the reasons for it. But I think overall the playoffs were great this year. Uh, I don't, so I, I don't, I don't think it's a problem. I think that they're, they're headed in the right direction. That's All what right. I think. I think I, what I don't understand is, and I was actually, I was watching, I was talking to my wife last night. 
you know how the Super Bowl does the whole thing with the ads and they make the ads as big or bigger than sure. the game. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why Major League Baseball have never worked with their sponsors to do that. To say, hey, let's make this thing because you're seeing a lot of ads. We see a, you see a lot more ads in baseball because you have all the half inning breaks. I think that there's an opportunity there for a marketing play, but but Major League Baseball they have to work with their sponsors on it. It has to be a joint effort, and I don't understand why they don't do that. Yeah, yeah, it just strikes me. I mean, I was seeing some some data come through that showed that uh, you know this World Series. But it was it's not been this like this is a trend that's happened really in the last, you know, over the last 10 years where every year it seems there was a small spike in 2021, which was the Astros um, and the sort of famous, you know, sort of everybody wanted to hate on the Astros that year. Um, but other than that, it's been sort of a straight downward ski slope of of, of viewership. Um, and I just saw I remember seeing all these news items <clears throat> throughout the season about empty stadiums and all those kinds of things. And then I read an article yesterday about how uh, what I'm thinking about is all kind of overblown because they did a survey and they said that, you know, yeah, while viewership is down with those that are 50 and older, it's actually up a little bit with, uh, with the, you know, with younger generations. And so I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, th so think about it this way. I mean, and look at look at what Jesse Cole is doing at the Savannah Bananas. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, that's right. I, well, I know. And I know it's a little bit different. And that's more like the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball. But let's be realistic. He looks at the entire game from when they arrive at the game to when they leave as entertainment. Yeah. Major League Baseball doesn't do that. And that's a big problem, because if you look at what's going on in the NBA and it's going on in the NFL, you have a lot more playing time. Sure. Consistent playing time. You have a lot of dead air, dead breaks going on in Major League Baseball. And I think they've tried, at least at Guardian Stadium, they've tried to do a, some more fun things during the breaks, but they've got to try harder. And I think they have to take the approach where the when they're not on the field playing, that's just as important entertainment time as when they are on the field. That's Maybe right. more important yeah. because NFL doesn't have to deal with that. It's straight through until halftime, and then you have your halftime break. And it's the same thing with Premier League football in Europe. You just have the the halftime break and NBA. I mean, they're unless you get it, basically it's the end of the game when they start calling all the timeouts that you have the breaks, but it's straight <laughs> right. through. And so I think, I think you have to remedy for that and think a little bit differently about entertainment. When major league baseball started, they were the only game in town. They're the oldest sport early 1900s. You weren't going to football. You, there was no basketball. There was nothing else. It was only them. And we pretty much kept the same exact format for a hundred plus years. Maybe it's time to rethink it. I'm just saying, maybe a little bit. Just don't sugarcoat it, my friend. How do you really feel about this whole situation? Just yeah, just a, just a little bit. I have a lot of friends yeah. with that organization. They're doing a lot of things that are very innovative. And I think we need to push the envelope with the other organizations. Yeah. So. There we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. All right. What's well, we going on with it? Do we are we starting? Oh yeah, we, we have this show. Is you know, four. Hey, congratulations! Congratulations to you, my friend. Four hundred. Yes, yes, four hundred. Yeah, four hundred shows. It's, it's it seems it's, significant. It, it, it feels seems significant. Yeah, it feels well. You know what? One of our one of our one of our lovely uh, friends and family now family of the show, uh, Robert Katai. He he pointed out to me anyway in, in an email that we've been trading behind the scenes here that uh november 20th will be our anniversary our our 10 year 10 year anniversary oh, it's crazy moly. that's crazy that is a crazy. full decade of of this old marketing <laughs> there's not a lot of podcasts especially marketing podcasts that have have gone on yeah. that long it's, uh, i wonder why we keep doing this I don't know. It's 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 self-flagellation. I believe it's just what, <laughs> it's, is the, it's is the technical whatever term. it is. It's probably not good. Yeah, it's probably so. Not, yeah. With our four hundredth very special episode, we're going to do a regular show. We are going to okay. do a regular right. show. We're going to do a special show next week um, with our prediction show, um, and uh, it'll be a little bit different when we're going to do because we always run short. So next week will be our review of our 2023 predictions. Oh, that's going to be which, a fun one. Yeah. That will be, that's yeah. be good. I've been doing the research for next week. I have a feeling <laughs> like, it's not going to bode well. No, it's not. It doesn't it's look not gonna, good for us. No, it no. doesn't. But it will be funny. It Overview. will be it will be quite humorous. Yes. Yeah. We did get a couple like exactly right. But 
But I, I, yeah, I, I have to, I haven't looked but at most of them. We got mostly wrong. So. I try to make predictions and then never look at them again. Yeah, that's right. Because I know that I'm going to be <laughs> wrong. My, but generally my predictions need to go out at least a decade to be close to right. Yeah, that's, so that's right. How I, okay, right, what do we, we got? What do we got? We yeah. got a big show. We got a we got a lot of 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 news this week. Um, so a lot to cover. So we'll try and get to it all as we can. Here, we're going to start by talking about the White House. Uh, of course, they issued new orders on artificial intelligence this week, and as simultaneously as Microsoft is announcing the launch and sort of debut of Copilot. So a lot to get through there and talk through what you know what's really going on with AI safety. Uh, as well as uh, the launch of Copilot sort of simultaneous to that. Then, of course, it can't be a week without talking about Elon Musk and the X and the everything app. And, of course, they've been up to shenanigans, and there was an all-hands meeting where they talked about what the vision for X or Twitter, whatever you're calling it these days, is in the future. And there's all sorts of things about it being everything from a toaster oven to uh, a new car, I think, is what's It's like uh, an they, everything they bagel. It really kind of is. It's it's yeah. without the spice. You know what I mean? It's, and it, or then maybe it's it also, with the spice. But it, then it gets messy too. Yeah, all it does. of it because goes it, somewhere. It, and it where, does, who's going to uh, clean that up? Anyways, okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. then we'll uh, finish up and and talk about because there's news with Disney as well. So literally breaking news as we record this uh, on Thursday last night, the deal went through and Disney's going to acquire the rest of Hulu. Um, oh, geez, I thought you were going to say that Apple was going to buy Disney. No, that's not happening. That's that's not it. happening. And by the way, <laughs> call back to our predictions from last. <laughs> year <laughs> yet another no, one wait, we'll talk about them next i don't have to i know we'll talk about them next week you're gonna we'll force me to talk week. about yeah, it that's right feel better we've got than a wonderful the, we've got a wonderful audience question from our uh wonderful friend and family of the show robert riggs who has a question around uh owned media and events uh then we'll get to rants and raves and joe is going to rave about his new personal <laughs> website which um, rave about my own know, stuff it's not enough about him <laughs> let's talk more about joe polizzi uh, but it is actually a beautiful new website, and I have to congratulate well, I wanna you on that. Um, but it's going to be helpful. I'm going to talk about why yeah. we made the changes we made, and I feel pretty good about them. And yeah, I think it's, everyone it's, can learn. It's, it's, it's going to be five show. minutes of rationalization with Joe. So let's exactly uh, let's right. all applaud Don't that. Wait for that. And then I'm going to basically talk a little bit about uh, some of the news that's quietly gone under the radar uh, this week about IP addresses. Uh, and Google and sort of the continuation of the deprecation of, 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 you know, information and availability of information and data to programmatic advertising and what that might mean for marketers um, and an, an acquisition that sort of related to that, again, under the radar here. But I think it's a really important acquisition um, in the scheme of all things marketing. So, yeah. So just a. Okay. A chock-a-block of chuckle-headedness is what it is, really, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So um, let's, okay, let's get to let's our first story. Let's jump into it so that we get this moving along. So the first story is coming to us courtesy of CNBC, CNBC, um, where the headline is Biden issues U.S.'s first AI executive order requiring safety assessments, civil rights guidance, research on labor market impact. The article opens up by saying U.S. President Joe Biden, uh, as in case you were confused about which country he was the president of, uh, unveiled a new executive <laughs> order on artificial intelligence. It's the U.S. government's first action of its kind requiring new safety assessments equity, civil rights guidance, and research on AI's impact on the labor market. The order builds on voluntary commitments the White House previously secured from leading AI companies and represents the first major binding government action on the technology. Uh, President Joe Biden issued a new executive order on AI uh, requiring all of this safety. While law enforcement agencies have warned that they're all ready and ready to apply the existing law of abuses of AI, and Congress has endeavored to learn more about the technology. That's my favorite line of the whole article. Congress has endeavored to learn more about the technology. Um, to craft new mean? laws, the, the executive <laughs> order could be, have immediate impact. Like all executive orders, it has the force of law, according to a senior administration official. And then it goes on to detail uh, the article, some of the things that it's that it's doing, which are mostly pretty fluffy, I think. But um, there's some, I, at yeah. least they're taking a step. I'd say. What What was your take on this? Uh, first of all, just let's just comment. I know uh, there people are listening to this, but we're looking at the CNBC site. Two things interest me here. Uh, I, I don't know if you noticed, but right when we were in the middle of this, the little breaking news popped at the top about Roku stock. 
jumping 30%. I just think that that's interesting. That just, that's just boom. You can add that to your site, breaking ebook, amazing stuff. Uh, and, but here's my, my, uh, my little rant on this whole thing. Yeah. Look, look at this horrible ad here that they pull from Google ads or something like that. That has nothing to do with anything financial. I just think that that's wrong. It's like, yeah. uh, an et, it's not, that's Etsy, well, that's, but it's, you Etsy know what that is. That's programmatic advertising at its finest. And because you're, you use a sort of an anonymous browser there. Um, they don't know what to serve me. They don't know what to serve you. So they're just pulling the most, the, what they're doing is pulling what they think is the most relevant based on the, the, the content of the article. Anyways, um, I'm sorry to get is, the uh, sidetrack. I just wanted to. Sh- yeah. Yeah. To no, it's interesting. Was, well, it goes really right to, it, it, it goes right to my, uh, my rant later about oh, uh, IP address and data. Yeah. Perfect. I'm setting you up for that here. So here's a couple things on the whole, on the whole Biden thing, uh, or the, the executive announcement, if you will. Thank you for, for doing that. I don't know if it's meaningful at all. At all. The, the things that if you go through the article, which we'll put in the show notes, uh, great. There's like, we want it to be safe. We want it to help workers. It's all the stuff that we've heard forever. Um, but frankly, cat's out of the bag. It's there, there, there's not, there's nothing. The decision was already made to send out the, the computer programs into the wild and we're going to talk about the co-pilot thing in a second. It's all re- there's there's nothing that governments are going to be able to do at this point because it's integrated into every software we're using right now already. There, you can't you can't pull it back. So what what's the purpose of this to make us feel better? Uh, and yeah, there's no, a- and by the way, the executive order doesn't mean any laws. There's no no corporate action here. It's just a boom i think that this is important sure which is great it's a, it's a decree it's definitely yeah, it's a, a, decree, it's a decree right i mean and and it's like when 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 the president brings in the texas rangers and congratulates them it's a decree that hey you won good for right. you well That's you exactly can the have thing. executive orders that have bite to them you can have executive yes. orders that have bite for example um, you know, I don't know why this is the one that's coming up, but you, you know, when Biden tried to do the executive order to cancel, uh, student loans, right? So for example, he wanted to provide loan relief and he provide a lot of those, um, sort of COVID era executive orders and, and, and all presidents have used some amount of executive orders to set policy or laws that they want, that they don't want to try and run through Congress. And of course it gets tested all the time, but to your point, nothing here really creates any level of penalty or or action or good solid suggestions. They're run, they're wonderful suggestions, right? They're all great suggestions, yeah. right? But but basically, it's you know provide guidance, create guidelines, direct you know guidelines, produce a report, expand grants. You know, I think the biggest thing here is is that they're expanding grants for AI research into things like climate change and modernizing the criteria for highly skilled immigrant yep. workers. So there's some research uh, money that's going to get created with this that'll be able to sort of expand some of the the research for those that are looking at how AI can help some very specific topics that the government cares about. But other than that, this is this is like pretty yawn worthy, I think. So the. And we've talked about it on this show. I think the U.S. government, all governments, but specifically U.S. government in this case, has to take the lead. And Congress has to put some kind of ramifications over the evil usage of AI or at least some some like companies need to do this if they're using at least to start. We don't know where it's going, but at least to start. But I don't see that happening with this Congress or the next Congress. Well, I don't think, matter. I don't think anybody knows what evil means yet. Right. You know what I mean? I think, I, I think there's some very, I think transparent. What we want is transparency at this well, point. Well, yeah, right? but, but, but again, what, you know, there's, there's varying degrees of transparency, right. You know, it's like, you know, that how, how thick <laughs> is the glass as it were, you know, not to belabor a metaphor or anything, but yeah, it's, 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 well, speaking of which, and we can sort of continue the conversation, sure. but moving on, which is this week, sort of in conjunction with all of the things that are happening with uh, this, is Microsoft has launches it, uh, and it literally again breaking news, it's happening. 
Um, and as Gizmodo <laughs> asks in their headline, Microsoft Copilot launches worldwide tomorrow, and that was yesterday as we record this. Um, but what the hell is it? Uh, it opens up by saying Microsoft's generative AI assistant Copilot will debut to millions of enterprise customers Wednesday. Chief information officers around the country are stepping up training in preparation for the Microsoft 365 product launch, according to the Wall Street Journal, and it may be a change coming to your office place as well. Microsoft 365 Copilot uses generative AI to do all the things you'd ask a helpful intern to do. The, the tool summarizes lengthy emails, writes draft responses, transforms Word documents into PowerPoint presentations. Copilot will also attend a meeting on your behalf um, and actually <laughs> log the attendees, flag any action items to you. Uh, all those kinds of things, which is just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to try that out and see how that. You, you don't know. have to go to meetings anymore. Yeah, it's, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how that <laughs> works, works out for them. Um, you know, I, I, the article goes on to sort of talk through like all of this kind of stuff. But um, have you had it? You, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it or so I don't I, even know if you use Microsoft tools. I do. I, I, I do. I do. I yeah. use I use Excel and I use Word uh, yeah. and I use PowerPoint like crazy. Yeah, of course. Um, so I've used all of them. I've been a Microsoft user for, for over 20 years, which is hard to believe. Uh, and I have looked at the demo of Copilot, which I would suggest if you want to get a really good idea of what Copilot could do, go type in Microsoft Copilot demo and check it out. It's like two minutes long and it will amaze you at what you can do. I think what's really interesting is, is that you can feed this thing a bunch of different information at once, and it can come up with a pretty succinct presentation of what all these things. That's mean. what I want to try and do. Yeah, that's, it's that's really, really what I want to try for. Now it's really unbelievable. Now it's not for us uh, uh, small people. Uh, you have to have at least three hundred licenses, so it is for an enterprise at this point. So whatever's oh. been released, and I've I've already looked at. The, I went to the Microsoft site today and looked at it. Didn't we do our research on the show? So we we know what we're doing. Yeah, and and there's a lot of small businesses complaining because they don't have access to it yet. I see. So, All right. Well, then I'm not going to have access to it either. Then I haven't. I haven't. I thought I had to reinstall something or 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 update before I could get it. So, and so, so yeah. So I so I we can't get it yet here at here at Content <laughs> Advisory and this old marketing. We're still in that sub three hundred employee. Uh, <laughs> You're close though. You'd have to buy. 299 <laughs> licenses <laughs> yeah. to, to get that. But um, that's correct. Honestly, the, this is actually going to be something. Oh, this is going to be big. Yeah, this is going to be most of what yeah. Microsoft launched as a, by, by the way, Microsoft's strategy over the past 10 years has been second to none going oh, from sharp, laughing stock of tech yeah. companies to, to the yeah. second or third most valuable company in the world. I think at this point, uh, pretty amazing stuff, but this is a game changer. Um, so I, I'm really excited to get into the co-pilot launch whenever. And they're already saying that it's going to buy in the next two years that uh, Microsoft's AI efforts is going to minimum $10 billion of revenue. Yeah. Which is very yeah. small. It's just you think that's a lot. But for Microsoft, that's small. But that's just the start. I mean, you're it's, talking it's, about a future of hundreds of billions of dollars in revenue to Microsoft as they as they're one of the first movers. Absolutely. Well, in fact, there's I've been reading some articles about, you know, this is the conspiracy theory at work here where there are people now sort of chattering behind the scenes that are talking about this. And this feeds into the executive orders and AI safety and all of that that are suggesting that really behind the sort of content and campaigns of. AI being a dangerous thing is uh, are the big are, are Microsoft and Google specifically because they want like heavy regulation so that big companies are really the only ones you know like them are the only ones that can actually uh, develop it so they want you know they they they're basically trying to create sort of a bit of a legislative walled garden if you will on on using safety as sort of the lever I'm not sure I buy that but but it's but it's an interesting idea nonetheless i will tell you that what i got access to this week and again i haven't been able to really ascertain whether i'm early or late to this party but google in the middle of a the work day on monday said hey do you want to now have ai as part of your search results and uh be a you know be a beta tester on this and i said well sure i'll do that and and so now every time i do a google search 
it's the it's not just the knowledge graph that I see. I, in fact, I don't see the knowledge graph anymore at the top of my search results. What I see is sort of the AI working on my thing, and then it comes to me with the answer. Like it gives me an answer. Like it 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 it's truly like a Chat GPT or in this case Bard, of course, yeah. you know, type of answer. And the results are awful so far. I just you know the 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 results are not not very good it's it's really interesting i'll me. have to check it out i haven't i haven't done that what i have continued to do which i've really enjoyed it is when i like right now for um content entrepreneur expo I'm, I'm taking the workshops and i write the workshop overview and then i throw it into chat gpt and i said here's the audience for this here's what i want them to get out of it mm -hmm. would you please edit that edit this with that and i always say please because I don't want the AIs to come back at me. Do you say me. thank you when you're done? I absolutely do. All right. I, I talk to it just like it's it's like it's my furry little friend. And I talk my to furry it. furry little friend. And I send it to them. And it is really helpful when you are in, because I am I like to move really fast and do this project and get it done. And it is exceptional. And I take it and I'll edit it. But yeah. I take my original content, have that, have ChatGPT edit it, bring it back in. And it's lovely. But apparently with the search results, not there yet. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's so so I'll put it this way. The first when I saw it happening, the first thing I did was to search for uh, content marketing strategy. Right. Of course, you know, the first thing you're going to do is search for something related to you. Yep. Um, it came back with uh, basically it, it basically came back with CMI's uh definition of content marketing uh, reworded did not link to CMI, which I thought was interesting, but it was re CMIs. And I think that's mostly the fact that so many other people have sort of used CMI's definition of content marketing as sort of a basis of their own sort of, uh, mission or, or vision of it. So I think I wonder, it's learned. Wonder, who, are, who are the, who are the two people that came up with that definition? I, who, what do you, I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Two you know, chuckleheads that have a show. I, saying, I, don't, you know. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I'm just throwing yeah. it out there. Anyways, um, Anyway, so they came up with that, and then and 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 then, of course, said, "And here are the the top content marketing consultants in the space." I'm just going to tell you who wasn't there, right? So, do with that with what you will. I, I and I don't. It, I, I, I don't hope mean, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It wasn't any. Honestly, it wasn't anybody I recognized. There was there was a lot of there were people there, and I actually went and looked at their LinkedIn profiles, and they're very professional, very capable people, but they're not who I would pick as the top yeah. consultants in the content marketing strategy space. Here, big, sure. big, big complaint. I know we got to move on, but big complaint that I have a lot of what I see, of course I could be wrong, but what I see a lot of AI content pulling in is Wikipedia content and Wikipedia content is very easy to game. And I was, and I went there the other day, I went to the, to the content marketing Wikipedia page. And when you look at that, it is so strange. It's a the really stuff, weird like, page. Yeah. I'm like, who, who's been updating this? You got people updating it from India and Malaysia, not saying that they're not experts or whatever, but I'm like, yeah. where is this, what is going on with this thing? And, and to have, if that's our idea of truth, it's being co-opted a little bit. And then AI is taking that. So that's a concern as what's going to be true. If yeah. they're taking this definition, it's, it's, it's scary. It's scary yeah. where we don't, we don't know. We don't know what the fact it's, is. It's very, and that's the reason I bring it up is because it's just really interesting to see where we'll go with this over the next, you know, over the next few months. And as it starts to get more widely yeah. rolled out, unless I'm late to it, which is also, you know, everybody so. can I go, I've had this it. for I, months, you know, so it just doesn't it, seem so. to be very good at the moment. If so, I haven't so. seen it, you're early. <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah, yes of exactly. course hey listen we should probably pay a couple of bills while we're sitting here okay word from our word from our sponsors you know what time of year it is folks that's right it's football season q4 it is time to close out another year of growth and prep for the next year of revenue to bring in more business this q4 and beyond you need hubspot sales hub with a smart prospecting workspace, deal management suite, and AI-powered apps, you can take total control of your operation to generate more leads and land more sales. And when you pair Sales Hub with HubSpot's smart CRM, your team will be on the same page across the entire customer journey. Leads won't slip through the cracks, and data is connected across marketing, sales, and operations so you can better measure your impact on the bottom line. 
Stop sticking to the same old strategies and start closing more deals. Because the best time to score is Q4. Make the switch to HubSpot Sales Hub at HubSpot.com slash sales. Let me tell you about this awesome podcast that I was recently turned on to. It's called Talking Too Loud, hosted by Chris Savage, Wistia's CEO and loudest talker, and is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This show gets into the minds of entrepreneurs as they share the hilarious, informative, and most challenging aspects of building more human brands. One of my favorite newer episodes is Chris's interview with my friend and fellow podcaster, Jay Akunzo. Together, he and Chris talk about how people can really be more heartfelt, incorporate more candor, and pull their little life moments into their brand and messaging. Check it out, won't you? It's Talking Too Loud, and you can find it wherever you catch your favorite pods. That's what the kids are calling it these days, right? The pods? We, we, we call it the pods? We don't call is it, it podcast anymore? Is it, I don't know what any cool people do. I, 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 don't I, realized, I realized a long time ago that i was not gonna be hep as they I st- say i started realizing that when i started not recognizing any of the bands or the musicians on saturday night live i'm like don't don't even know don't even know who they are and they all have like one word names you know like chit chat or you know <laughs> is chit chat one word yeah i think so yeah <laughs> chit chat is a you know <laughs> you know although or or saber, you know, or something I like love, that. You know, I've been listening to chit chat for years. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and absolutely, no, I, a great look at great I, band. I'm I'm 50, and uh, I don't uh, give a, a flying f anymore. There I'm gonna go. just do it, whatever. That's the that's the beautiful part of old getting, man yells at cloud. Yep, there we go. Yes, it's a beautiful part. I can just do whatever I want to, and I really only have to worry about one person. That you know, that would be my wife. Uh, to make sure that you know she's got to be happy. Other than that, I can make everyone else upset, and it's that's and true. Some people think it's okay. That's a good that's point. It. That's, that's it. a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm speaking okay. of making people angry, um, Elon is at, at it again, uh, and uh, our next story here is, of course, just fascinating because it's all about uh, X. Um, the everything app. So this comes to us. The first story we'll cover anyway is uh, courtesy of the verge, um, <clears throat> which I love the two pictures that they selected for the, the, the top here is really just great. The article opens up by saying since Elon Musk bought Twitter a year ago, he has blown it up into something, some to create something else entirely. Yeah, that's, I guess that's true. Uh, what is now called X is in the process of becoming a single application that encompasses everything, everything, everywhere, all at once, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. He recently told employees being the digital town square, as he described, it isn't enough for X to succeed. In Musk's eyes, the platform needs to compete with YouTube, LinkedIn, FaceTime, dating apps, and the entire banking industry. Uh, we're rapidly transforming the company. Really? Are you really? Are you really doing that? I, no, I, mean, I think they are transforming the company. Yeah, they truly they are. Good. Yeah. From what it was, Twitter 1.0 to the Everything app, Musk said during an internal X All Hands meeting on October 26th. Uh, the Verge listened into the All Hands meeting and is publishing a full transcript below. The meeting was timed to the anniversary of Musk officially buying Twitter for $44 billion and was his first joint All Hands with Linda Yaccarino, who joined as CEO uh, in May. Um yeah. Thoughts. I mean, <laughs> okay. So um, we've talked about this with just nauseum, looking at yes. your, well, if you look at your mission statements and your content tilts as an organization, yeah, you, you want to be focused on the thing that you can be the best in the world at. And the thing that, that X Twitter, whatever was the best in the world at was it was the most important place to be for breaking news and conversations around that, which is a pretty amazing thing. I mean that if if that's the thing if that we we want to be the place where people share their intimate thoughts about what's going on in the moment that's a big deal, and I thought that that was Twitter that's what Twitter meant to me, but no that's not good enough. What we need to do is be everything, which is completely meaningless. But let's just say they want to be everything, and then everything to to Elon is what he wants to. They want. You want to pay for this. You want to shop this and pay. Sure. It, it seems yeah. to be related around financial everything. That's kind of what Elon's thinking is. But here's the problem. You have two companies, specifically 
Alphabet, Google, and Apple, who already have yep. their fingerprints all over payment payments. They're already integrated into the gateway for that. That's with Android device and iOS devices. So do you think that those two companies are going to let Twitter become the the WhatsApp or the whatever, the WeChat, like uh, in, in China to, to what happens in the United States and beyond? No way. It is not going to happen. Those two companies aren't going to let it. Right now, they're standing back and saying, let Elon talk about being yeah. this everything app. But it is, in my opinion, never going to happen because as big and as rich as we think Elon is, he's very, very small when it comes to what Apple and Google can do. That's well, that's true. Take. Well, that's a hundred percent true. And he's, it's going to be really interesting because Tesla just had a not good quarter. Um, and, and is, you know, there, there are, there are a lot of people saying that this is the beginning, right. Of not good performance for, well, but it's worth saying why, because there's so much competition. That's right. Yeah, exactly. This is the th- and this is again back to the argument, right? I mean, yeah. where's where where is Elon going? He's going toward competition, not away from it. Yes, with this move, that's right. And that's the problem Tesla's having. That's right, and it's and it's and it's fascinating because the question becomes when at some point at some point the bankers have to get rid of their that that big old nasty thing on their on their balance sheets which is the debt right uh to you know that that is owed and you know he at some point he's they're gonna have to sell it off right because it's just i mean inflation is getting crazy yeah, i don't or, know when or, they have to be when that has to be off it doesn't have to be ever but you have to figure they have to do it at some point they have to and it's and, and it's and it's a, it's a question of when do you sort of wreck because they don't have to recognize the loss until they actually execute that's the, right. You know, and the, what do we and, and for the listeners, what do we believe? We believe it about 30 to 40 percent of the dollar right now. Is that yeah, well, that, it depends on That's, who you ask. Right. I mean, so there's there's a lot of people who think the debt's probably worth 85 cents. There's some people who believe it's worth 30 cents. The you know, the, the I mean, depending on where you think the valuation of the company is. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it kind of doesn't matter. It's kind of, and this is the weird thing. It kind of weirdly puts Elon in a driver's seat because the, the, that's almost kind of like what he's willing to pay for it. Like how much is he willing to destroy of the company in order to drive the debt down to a point where he can, he can purchase it? Cause that's the obvious and logical thing here is that if he's serious about the long term viability of what he wants to do here he, he he has to take it like he can't like let them sell it to somebody else who would sort of direct the company to go somewhere else you know and and, and because it's going to have to be in his control in order for there to be that sort of that sort of transaction so i think he buys it at some point the question is for how much right and that's how much is it going to get discounted and how much of a haircut those cents. bankers are going to yeah, cents on the dollar maybe and, and at that point he wins but the, the the longer that that hourglass of Tesla value continues to go down, the more expensive it gets for him. I mean, not that, you know, buying it for eight or nine billion dollars or, you know, even 13 billion dollars or, you know, whatever it is, is couch cushion money for him for the most part. But but it'll, I think yeah. that's the that's the real question here. So it's just to me, it's a it's a time. It's a, it's a, it's all about time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, what the payments thing, what the first financial move is. I think that's what most interests me and how this integration is going to happen. If you can start to pay for stuff, uh, because that's what we talked about. What was the last episode of the one before Like this is the whole move here is to be around this, not to sell advertising. I don't think he really cares about that. And he's, he, he's offended so many advertisers anyways, where who, who's going to touch it. do you believe him when he so so the other article that we have here is that do you believe him when he goes on Elon uh, or he goes on Joe Rogan and basically says he bought Twitter to save it from the quote unquote mind virus, you know, um, which is what he basically uses as a term to, you know, the left wing thinking or woke here, here, thinking here or those that, kinds of here, things. Here's right? the article up here on CNBC. Yeah, I mean, ba- basically, he he believe what. What does this mean? It means that Elon is saying that the that Twitter was taken over by the left and his mission, kind of his calling from God, was to take this on so he didn't let that happen. Right? That's sort of what we're 
what we're coming to. That's but, what, well, that's what he says. I don't right? believe that's, anything yeah. that Elon says. No, I don't, I don't believe anything he says. Either. I don't believe. I think, yeah. It's, yeah. which is, yeah, part I think of he the does. He, so much of what he says is, is done for the laws. Right. And, uh, yeah, that, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that episode of Joe Rogan was very well. I'm sure it was to. popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very I mean, popular between those two. Yeah. So all right. Let's move on to something more interesting. Yay. <laughs> What would what would that be? What's more interesting than Elon? Well, Disney, of course, your favorite oh thing gosh. on the whole planet is Disney. Um, so yeah, we've got a <laughs> couple of things here to talk about as it relates to Disney. Um, I love this headline. the The first story that we'll cover here is uh, from Axios, actually, um, and the picture is actually really just perfect. It's a big uh, shoe or a loafer about to squeeze out the Mickey Mouse head. Um, Aww. Yeah, and it says, what the heck is happening at Disney? It says, strikes, boardroom battles, irreversible decline, and longstanding stalwarts have turned Bob Iger's second turn at Disney CEO into a nightmare. Why does it matter? Well, a pop culture and Wall Street touchstone, Disney hasn't been this vulnerable in decades, and Iger has admitted that the problems Disney faces were greater than he anticipated when he returned. Disney stock down more than 16% since his return. And the company's facing its second activist campaign uh, by investors. Uh, plus, the decline of the cable bundle is wiping out profits and streaming is a money pit. And while Iger initially planned to only stay for two years to help get the company back on track and plot out a better succession plan than last time, he will now stay through at least 2026. Combine that with the story that, again, is literally breaking as we uh, as we go to record this, which is, uh, well, we can link to the CNBC uh, article, which is, and this has not been surprising, this has been long sort of uh, in the works, which is that Disney now will buy the remaining stake in Hulu from Comcast uh, in a little over eight and a half billion dollars. So it's like, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of that. Do, do, you, do you remember the, you remember the movie Terms of Endearment? Sure. So there's a scene where Deborah Winger and her kid um, are in the grocery store line and it's, and basically she puts all the groceries in and it's like, you know, $27. Right. And she's like, I don't have $27. And it's like, she, and then the grocery store clerk's like, well, I don't know what to do. And she's like, well, take this away. And it's the candy from the little kid. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, we're now at $26. And now we're at $25.50. Now we're at $25. And then the kid gets really angry and starts crying. And so Deborah Winger starts putting more stuff onto the onto the cart, basically putting more and more stuff onto the grocery store. And the lady's like, we're going in the wrong direction here. And of course, that's when John Lithgow comes in and pays the bill for her and all that kind of stuff. So it felt very much to me like Disney's not really in the place to buy something at the moment. But I guess this has been in the works for so long they'd sort of plan for they it. Knew, I mean, yeah, they think? knew this was going, I mean, this was a timing thing. They knew it was coming up. They had to do something with the 33% yeah. uh, that Comcast owned of Hulu. Uh, it looks like it's going to be more than the eight and a half, nine billion dollars because they're they're going, it could go up to, I think, 19 billion that they could end up paying for this thing depending yeah. on how they value it. Um, I guess the positive, yes, they're going to have to outlay some money, but the positive of this is if you look at just the streaming business and you say, who's the number one player in streaming right now? Easy, right? Netflix. No right. doubt about it. And growing amazing results. I've never seen anything like it. Unbelievable. I wish I'd have bought more stock yeah. when they when in 2010 or whatever it was. So there's that. Who's the number two player in streaming? It's Disney. Who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Disney, and you yeah. have you have you have Disney Plus, and you have Hulu. Yeah, uh, which yeah. I don't know how they're going to combine this thing, but it is of, of immense value. It doesn't look great right now, just because they're losing money on the cable side, and they lump it all together. But I I think this is could be really really good uh, for Disney to have that that main media arm to drive what we know is the greatest in person events experience on the planet. Disney has that and they own that. You say, what's the best in-person event experience going right now? Yeah, It's Disney. It's Disney. It's absolutely For Disney. Sure. And they own that. And they are going to take it to their cruise business and grow out, grow that out. They're putting more investing into that. They're going to look at probably, I don't know what they're going to do about the park thing. By the way, I don't know if you know, breaking news on this one. 
uh, Six Flags, uh, Six Flags, and Cedar Fair agreed to merge this morning, oh, becoming a clear that, yeah. Num- yeah, becoming a clear <clears throat> number three in the events business. So you've got uh, you've got Disney, you've got Universal, Sea Worlds in there somewhere, but now you've got Six Flags, which has which will have twenty seven or thirty parks around uh, North America now, which is which is really amazing. So yeah, uh, I, I think it's. I think this is ultimately going to be good. It's a pain in the butt for Disney. I, I think long term they're fine. I think uh, Iger, I do too. I think I Iger too. likes to come in and shake things up. Say, oh my god, I didn't know they were that that bad. How'd they get so bad while I was gone? They're yeah. not that bad. They're well, it's, what it speaks to is is that media these days is a is a is best served as a smaller part of a bigger business. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it, you know, when you look at, you know, and maybe other than Netflix, you know, we'll see what happens with Netflix in terms of the way they start to diversify and, and grow. But it feels like, you know, when you look at the success of Amazon, of Apple, uh, of Google, um, and all these companies, Microsoft to a to large degree with the, you know, the one thing we didn't cover on the show was the Activision, um, you know, sort of merger is now sort of moving final, along. Final. Yeah. Um, so it's this idea that, media companies at scale are best served through organizations that have diversified revenue streams into other areas. So a la content marketing, basically, um, and may not be for the pure, you know, sort of studio model anymore, right? Where, you know, so, so Disney and diversifying actually is in a stronger position than someone like, uh, like an NBC or, you know, or a Discovery mm-hmm. Warner or something like that, right? That doesn't have the same kind of diversification into events and parks and other things. Yeah, it, it's it's clear that Iger wants the Disney parks to be the central focus of this thing. Yeah, I that's, I mean, yeah, and that's I smart, right? Yeah, it, that's it, the, is, it yeah. is smart, but it is not the original vision. Uh, Walt Disney's original vision was to have the storytelling be the focal point and it would drive people to the other things. So the center portion was just yeah, telling a, amazing it's stories. W- and characters. It's tail wagging the dog though. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, you know, I mean, I think to the certain extent is that, is it, is your marketing driving your product or is your product driving your marketing? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, a star Wars starts as a mark so quote unquote as a and doesn't have to make money right because what you know is is that by creating the 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 series the value and the content you're going to drive people to the parks which is your main profit and, and center, merchant right? and the merchandise right and, yeah exactly oh, yes, so absolutely. so i think that business model is 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 perfectly viable but, uh, but yeah. distressed enough that Apple might be interested in purchasing. Oh, okay, next. Lord, don't even go there. Don't even go there. there. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. Uh, let's move on now. What we have uh, now is a wonderful audience question. Before we get to the audience question, what I'd like to remind everybody is we could use some reviews out there, some fresh, sort of off, out of the oven, baked fresh sort of mm, apple pie smelling reviews. We need those reviews to keep growing our audience and keep those things going. So if you're inclined... Go give us another review. Go give us a review for the first time. And especially if you like the show. If you don't like the show, then I don't know what the hell you're doing. But if Even you if like you the don't show, like the show, go and, review it. Mean, just review it. We, yeah, just and, go and review it. Review it on Spotify or iTunes, whatever your player right. is. And then also, we would love to get your questions. Go of course. To our, go to our YouTube channel to put the questions. You can go to our website, thisoldmarketing.com, which is totally fine. It's a beautiful yeah, site. But you can go to YouTube, and too. Yeah, You can go to YouTube and put it in, and we'll look we at it. We make it easy. We, we make do. it easy. We do. We're here for you. We do. Yes. All right. Let's get our question from uh, Robert Riggs uh, going here. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Loading it up. Hello, gentlemen. It's Robert Riggs down in uh, Dallas, Texas. I just finished a week on the road with my team exploring the concept for taking the True Crime Reporter podcast live on the road to different venues with me on stage interviewing FBI agents, legendary Texas Rangers, homicide detectives, you name it. I'm really trying to follow your guidance on owning your audience, but also I want to own distribution. We do television shows, but you know we're at the mercy of big networks, which I don't like being at the mercy of. And the podcast, you know, we control distribution there, but we're just trying to find other outlets where it's no barriers between me and the audience. I know both of you have done live events. I'd appreciate any advice you would weigh in with. It looks like we're going to get many of the venues free. They're at universities, but I'm, I'm seeking corporate underwriters. Do you, 
please uh, give me any suggestions about underwriting. And as always, if you make it to Dallas, I'm buying the Tex-Mex <laughs> or the barbecue and we're putting you on one of our horses. Um, See you then. I got to tell you, I, Robert, I'm, 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 I'm on a plane. I mean, first of all, as always, your voice just absolutely. You're in is, love with is, his voice. Oh God. It's just so great. It's just so great. And by the way, Tex-Mex in Dallas, that would be, that would be fun too. And Robert, I don't know if you know that I'm from Dallas originally. So I think you know, so, uh, so I, 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 I know all yep. of that anyway. You got a take um, on, on a helpful. I do, I do for, have a take. I have no. a short. I have a small take on it, which is um, good for you. First of all, for creating a an efficient by you know getting the venues for free and and all those kinds of things. I hope what you're doing is recording those things and creating content out of those events, um, whether that's video or audio. You know, in addition to the audio podcast and all the things that you're doing. You know, from photographs to uh, even written content and, and all of that and really leveraging those events for what they are. And a hundred percent, you can get sponsorship or underwriting, depending on what it is you're looking for, for those things, even from, I would say other media operations, right? So other, other types of, uh, shows and, or, uh, other types of, you know, content, yep things that are looking for reach into the audience that you're going to be attracting at those at those physical events. So I think physical events could completely be a, a new channel, not only a new revenue driving channel for you, but a new way to also create a subscribed audience, right? So in other words, what I hope you're doing with the uh, those events is not just having people show up, but they have to register or they have to provide some level of information to get into these events. And uh, then you've got follow up with them and you can build a bit of a audience slash community around that, which can then help you build a central owned media sort of portal, if you will. Um, and I know he's not terribly, you know, sort of he's still in a little bit of weirdness uh, in terms of, of where he is in the culture. But this is what Louis C.K. did, right? Louis C.K. so successfully bought his show, basically bought his show. And now his standup and his specials are mostly driven through e-commerce on his website. And he's got a big enough community and a audience to be able to support that. So he owns the distribution model as well as sort of the owned media and the subscription base to it. And he makes a perfectly great you know, living in company out of that. Right. And so he uses then his appearances on movies or TV shows as sort of the marketing of how he gets his name and, and views out there and then pulls everybody into his own media as, as a business model. Yeah. I mean, when, when we launched uh, the content marketing documentary, what year was that, Robert? 13, 2013, we, 2014. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we had, you know, think to this day, well over a million people have watched that thing. It's because we already had the distribution. Right. So of course, if Robert has the distribution and sets that up through whatever the base is, maybe the model changes a little bit, but right now we don't have that. What do we have is a great piece of content. And I've seen some of the stuff that Robert's put out. It's, it's amazing. I, re I recommended to Robert, it's like you could do the Taylor Swift AMC type model where you could work with some of the local theater chains and show this thing uh, by, by working with them and work out a little bit of a deal and, and, and get an email address and start building that audience, uh, that way. So that's one way to do it. I think the other thing is if you want to get sponsorship for this, I, I love that idea. If you're going to do a kind of a roadshow and get a sponsorship, you just have to figure out who would want this thing to get out there. Is that, is this the FBI? By the way, if you went to somebody like the FBI, they do have a budget for these types of things to present goodwill because there's a lot of negativity toward the FBI in certain circles. So they want to get out positivity so they can help get more people to yep. sign up to the FBI. It's the same thing with the armed forces. I mean, how much do the armed forces spend a year? Billions of dollars they spend a year on marketing. Is this something that would make sense? From that, I don't know. I'm just shooting out that kind of stuff. But that's what I would spend my time. You probably got three or four organizations that would underwrite something like this, take a little bit of the pressure off. We did that with our documentary. We went out and talked to Bright Cove. We said, we're on the same page as you. Would you underwrite this thing? They did. And that really helped. And it's the same thing with running events. I mean, half of the half of the price of the event is or half of the revenue of an event is through registration. The other half is through sponsorship. So you get those sponsors in there to, to help make it go. And identifying those and those pain points you can solve for those people. That's where it starts first. Yeah. So. And I'll, I'll, I'll point to one thing which may or may not be relevant. 
uh, in this is is a lesson that you and I learned early on with doing smaller remote events versus a central events, you know, so the temptation to do a lot of roadshow type of events is high and can work. It absolutely can work, but just know that it's easier to make bigger low, you know, bigger, fewer events work profitability wise. And so for example, we, you know, we, we were doing these local events where we do a small version of, of a masterclass or a small version of an event of so those kinds of things. And what we found was it was like the level of effort needed to do those were just as much as it was to do a bigger event. And so it was like, do we put that effort into just getting more people to a, a you know, a more central event or do we, you know, and what ended up being more, way more profitable was just, you know, putting that effort into getting more people to fly into a central event rather than trying to take the, the, the mountain as it were to Muhammad. But what we realize is that's marketing. Yeah. The road shows right. were marketing. Exactly. We marketing. after one person and we try to get that one person to bring their team to content marketing world. And that's, that's right. what we really learned. Didn't really make a lot of money yeah. off of the road show. But we did have a good time. It was oh my you god. You and I we fun. did a yeah, lot totally of fun. we did a lot of cities together. Those ten city tours were great. <laughs> they were so much fun. So much yeah. fun. Yeah, the kids um, were happy I was gone all the time. All right. Very quickly here. Thank you very much, Robert, for that question. Uh, awesome. As always. And yes, if I get to Dallas in the very near future, I am going to make sure to get Tex-Mex with you. And it's been a while since I've been horseback riding. It's been uh, it's been a bit. So I've never I, done it. Uh, oh, it's fun. Oh, it's never really, it. really fun. Yeah. I used to do it every summer as a kid. We would ride the fences out in West Texas. Aww. That's which is nice. a whole, which is a whole thing. Okay, um, it is now time for our rants and rave section, where we go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like uh, Josh McDaniels, uh, or something that makes us feel like we've just gotten fired by uh, the <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Which is just that's not a thing you want. You want it no. on your resume. You were fired by the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, There's a long list, though. Yeah, a long yeah. list. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so you want to go first or shall yeah, I go let me, first? Let me or? go first. Okay. Here's this, so so basically, I'll throw this up on the screen so people can see it. I, my beautiful new website. Hats, uh, hats off to Michelle Martello for putting this thing together. But I'm, this is not about me. Uh, I want to be I want to be helpful, and I just wanted to point out some of the changes that I made uh, from the previous JoePolizzi.com uh, website. So basically, the first thing that we, we did, then I think these are all changes that any business could look into. Instead of um, using everything in the third person like I had, like Joe Polizzi is expert in this or that, I, I everything is the first person now. I rewrote every page like I was talking to somebody that I just met at a conference. And I think it works really well. And I, and I did that with every page except for my bio. Like I will, I put my bio up there so people in an event could take it if I'm speaking at an event. But every other page is I or me or this is what I think, whatever. Uh, second thing is, I, as you could tell, heavy orange. It hurts your eyes orange. I went into <laughs> everything that differentiates me. I think that's the opportunity that people focus on their in individuality, their authenticity. So we focus more on orange. I changed the newsletter from the random to Joe Polizzi's orange letter. Just sent out the, the most recent one this week. Um, I focus on one call to action. So there's lots of things that you and I, we both have done. We've written books. We've done, we do podcasts. We do all kinds, but I focus on just one call to action. And that call to action is, um, is the newsletter. That's all I care about. All I want, the, the goal of that, this website is to do one thing. And that is to convert a website visitor into a long-term subscriber. So I'm focusing on that. Uh, the la last couple of things. One, is I, I didn't put everything about me. I put only the things that I thought were relevant. I think some of us is like, oh, we have to put all the books or I have to put everything I've ever done. No, you don't just put the stuff that we, so I cut a lot of content from the site and I put it into different places that people want to know more about how I got interested in orange or whatever. That's a separate article and I'm throwing them different places to continue the conversation there. And then I added a welcome series was the last thing I did, Robert. So it's a four day welcome series where I'm just giving them a lot of the information. So what I, uh, what I realized is that, um, hmm. People that are subscribing to my stuff, they they may may or may not know a lot about me. So I'll, I'll or like how I can be helpful. So I took the, my best speeches, uh, my best webinar uh, appearances, my best podcast appearances where I feel I'm most helpful for their content marketer or content entrepreneur, and I put those in there and I sort of feed them out over the two or three day period, and then try to be more helpful. And the most important thing is I ask a question on the first email, like how can I help them. Because I want them to respond to me 
that helps in deliverability of the email. So made all those changes. We'll see how it goes so far. Subscribers are up a lot more than they were. It could be just because I'm promoting it a little bit more. So yeah. we'll see. I'll it's great wait. stuff though. No, it's I'll really beautiful. see how it goes. Thank the, you. The site is so cool. I mean, it, it, as I said to you on social media, it's, it's, I'm, it's annoyingly good um, in, in, <laughs> in how wonderful it is and how succinct it is and focused it is. And I'm definitely jealous and, and we'll be copying it for sure. I'll, it's, I'll it's be the, I think the number one takeaway <clears throat> that I would say, especially for personal branding is get rid of the third person talk. Yeah. Just that's talk. what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what Come I'm going to definitely you. do. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the most important thing. And I didn't realize it before. Cause I'd like, Oh yeah. Joe Polizzi is this. I'm like, this is a horrible site. This is a horrible experience. Let's just make it more personal. Yeah, for so, sure. There you go. Well, it's like somebody else talking about you, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. Exactly. You know, this first is, person. This is me. This is me. All it's right, what stuff. you got? Um, I got um, a couple of very quick things here. They're mostly just articles I want you to go read um, if you're a marketing person at all. Um, the first one is, so the article I want you to go read is on Marketing Brew. It's really a, a good article here, but it's about some quiet things that are happening behind the scenes uh, with Google. Um, and the headline is IP addresses may not be the post cookie data solution that ad tech wanted. I'm not sure there is a post cookie solution that ad tech wants, but basically Google has it, it last month, very quietly that I've saw, cause I really didn't see a lot of noise about this at all. They're basically now starting to introduce features that cloaks the IP address of you as you uh, sort of surf around in Chrome, which basically, you know, you can see why they're doing this because they're as long as you're in their walled garden, they know who you are and they can basically, you know, sort of uh, understand that. Um, but it basically hides that from things like programmatic advertising or personalization or any of those kinds of things that you might be doing. Now, Apple's been doing this for some time um, and was a big deal when they came out with it. But now Google is starting to come out with it as well. And basically, you've got two of the biggest web browsers now, Safari and Chrome, um, basically would be, you know, the things that used ad tech is using to target users with advertising, just to what we were talking about way earlier in the show, and it'll block that third party access. And so it just makes advertising and programmatic advertising in particular, just almost impossible um, to, to actually serve up. What it means really is a focus and a need for first party data. Um, and we've got to get on that as marketers. We've got to get on this, you know, this owned media and the need for first party data is a, this is another rallying cry to get good at this and get good at it fast because this is how we are going to deliver those kinds of things is to be the media, be the place where people want to spend their time so that we can personalize those experiences. And that brings me to basically the other article that I want you to go read, which is uh, out of Marketing Dive, actually. Um, and they, it, this is an uh, Omnicom. This is an acquisition that was also relatively quiet. They bought uh, a company called Flywheel. Um, now, Flywheel uh, is basically a, it, it was a product of a company called Essential, which if, for those of you who are in data and media and advertising, you probably know Essential. Um, they've been around for a while, UK-based company, big in, in, in events with uh, a fintech event, and then also big into data and insight and research for advertisers and, and sort of e-commerce side of things. So Omnicom, they, what they did was essentially rolled up like 10 of their insight data media content creation products for e-commerce and basically renamed the whole thing Flywheel in the beginning of October. And then in mid-October, Omnicom comes in and buys the whole kit and caboodle. So basically, they bought Essential. Now, that's not entirely true because Essential kept their events business, which is the Money 2020 event. is their biggest event. It's a fintech event in London. But it's interesting to me because that really means as, as far as I can follow, and, it's, and, I'm, and I was having a tough time following all of the sort of ins and outs and intricacies of the acquisition. But as I see it now, Essential sort of kept just the event business um, and is now an events companies much like Informa or much like, you know, some of the others that are out there, um, you know, some of the other publishing companies that were now events businesses and have sold off all this to Omnicom um, for, a, you know, a little over $800 million. But the key here is, is that why did Omnicom buy this company? And it was because 
of the content creation capabilities of media, basically in retail media of creations. So media on, you know, digital e-commerce, digital on physical commerce, you know, in the retail media that you see so much of these days and the data, the first party data that's going to be critical. And so it's yet another rallying cry for us to get good at first party data because the ad agencies are getting good at it. The media companies are going to get good at it and we got to get good at it too. Yes. That's it. It has to happen. That's what Don't I got. Don't you think, it, you know, what's interesting while you were saying that it, there's, it's always back and forth. You get a whole section of time where events want to have the media and they're together and then you then they all sell off the media yeah, right. and then they yeah. buy back the media yeah. it's just it's amazing how that happens yeah so. i i think there was something else behind all of this that you know that i think there was some there was some jockeying going on for this for some time and you know all of that 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 probably isn't being reported it's just mm -hmm. it's a weird acquisition to be honest the timing of it and the way that they split everything up and the way that they rolled everything up into one product and sold it all they're a public company um essential so it they, they had to sort of be more transparent about it but I, it's there's some weirdness going on but the underlying fundamentals of it about the data and the media is critical so we got going on this weekend. Uh, this week weekend we got a big game uh, playing the Eagles, the Cowboys and oh, the Eagles. That's so big. that'll big, be big. big. Um, and other than that, just heads down. I'm doing some traveling next week, um, and uh, first client travel in a little bit. So yeah, getting ready for that. Right. And, yeah, how about you? Good deal. Well, first of all, um, CEX uh, 24, May 5th through 7th is registrations open. Go to cex.events. Uh, Robert and I will both be there. We're going to be doing some cool things this year. That's so right. uh, we're really excited about the name change too. getting a lot of positive. We changed, by the way, we changed from creator economy expo to content entrepreneur expo. Everybody. Seems I'm glad to it love worked it. out acronym wise. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. It's like, it still has to be all about the CEX. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll go that direction, but thank you for your support. Um, we have our o orange effect foundation night at the races, which will be Friday night. Uh, we've got about 250, 275 people ready to come in. We've got lots of wonderful support. All the proceeds go to kids who need speech therapy and can't afford it. We'll be able to help a lot of kids through a lot of people's efforts, including your own. So thank you for that. That's And we'll be really excited when it's done as well, because it's been a lot of work putting it together. Nice. So, and then we have a Browns have a game too. We'll be at the, I'll be at the Browns game. They play the Cardinals okay. there you on go. Sunday. That's, I'm hoping no be, Kyler yeah. Murray until next week. So yeah, you'll be, we'll see how that be, goes. You should beat them. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for all of your attention. Remember, give us some reviews out there. We would love those reviews. And well, until we see you again next week, just remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.